So if we know our Bibles, um, we know that uh, mankind is desperately seeking for God. He's searching for God, but he simply can't find God. It's what the Bible tells us about man. Is that correct? Who said that? Luna. Luna is correct. That is incorrect. You know, if you don't know this about mankind, you... You know, the Bible reveals God and exposes man. So, the Bible is about two things. Preeminently about God, but it's about who you are. Right? And the Bible is clear. Men do not seek for God. It's important for us to understand that. It's not that men can't find God. It's that men do not want God. The majority of mankind seems to feign or pretend some interest in God for one reason or another. But to truly seek out the, the, the Creator God, the Lord of Scripture says this never happens. It never happens. So, man-made religion is always about man doing something. And as I always remind you, biblical Christianity is about God doing something. This is the, probably the line of demarcation between man-made religion and biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is always a miracle. Okay? It's always a miracle. All the other world religions, all the pseudo-Christian denominations, all the cults, all the other goofy things men do, it's just what men do. Biblical Christianity is what God does. You can't manage biblical Christianity. Most mainline denominations have tried to, to manage conversion and manage what God does. You can't manage God. God does what God does. <laughs> you, can't, you can't make God dance to your tune. We must dance to His tune. You guys know the famous passage. I challenged the young adults in Young Adult Bible Study Wednesday night. I said, you know, if you're going to memorize a chapter, memorize Romans 1. Because you can't productively share the Gospel if you don't know who you are and who you're talking to. You're talking to men and women who know God. They know Jesus Christ is God. They may not admit it, but they know it. Romans 1. Of course, you get on down there further through the book of Romans. In Romans 3, Paul says this about seeking. There's none righteous, not even one, there's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. Is that clear? Is that clear to you? Do you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? There is no human being who has ever sought for God apart from the God-man. Okay? Adam and Eve for a time before they rebelled. No other human beings have ever sought for God. Ever. This is what the Word of God says. Okay? There is none who seek for God. All have turned aside. All. All. So when you're sharing the Gospel in the world, you already know this person has 
turned aside on purpose. They've, they, they don't want God. They're not interested in God. So, you know, people tell me all the time, Jim, it's so hard to witness. I know it's hard to witness. It's actually impossible, but you're supposed to be doing it. It's not impossible to witness. It's impossible to convert someone. That's not your job. It's not your job to convince anybody. It's your job to share the truth. And you leave it with them and the Spirit of God. This is what we are called to do. So who is seeking whom? I say it to you a lot. Who's the seeker in the, in the biblical account? God. Two times in the Bible, it talks about God being a seeker. You, we, we talked about it several weeks, weeks ago, John chapter 4, where, where Jesus was talking to the woman at the well. And then Jesus says it in Luke 19. I believe it is. Um, I have come to seek and save that which is lost. Okay, God who needs nothing, self-satisfied, self-contained, doesn't need anything, doesn't need you, He seeks you. Okay, this is breathtaking if you think about it more than 60 seconds. God seeks you. This is what the Bible says. Isn't it interesting how mankind always turns things on its head? Mankind is saying, oh, we're searching for God. We can't find God. Um, one of the famous uh, atheists, noted atheists of the 20th century, Bertrand Russell, you guys may know him. He was a, an Englishman, an intellectual. And he, he, again, was an atheist. And he was asked one time, he said, now, if you happen to meet God after you die, what will you say to Him? Anybody know what he said? He said, I will say to Him that He did not give me enough evidence. Well, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Jesus says, there are manifold witnesses to who I am. Apart from Romans chapter 1, conscience and creation, there is enough evidence to damn you if you do not come to Jesus Christ. And every human being who rejects Jesus Christ, there is so much evidence that you have rejected. It will damn you. It's why hell exists. Verse 40, I think it is of our text tonight, because you are unwilling to come to God. It's not that God is unwilling to save. It's that men are unwilling to come to Christ. That's what it always is. Verse 40. This is one of the biggest verses in the Gospel of John. You are unwilling to come to me that you might live. Again, it's why hell exists. There'd be nobody in hell if men weren't unwilling to come to Christ. It's the biblical message. So, God put mankind in paradise. You've heard me say it many times. You know the story. We rebelled. We messed up the world. It's why the world is in the condition that it is in. That it is in. It's why we are lost. It's why the world is under judgment. And so God should really, He should just judge us, right? He should just judge us. That's what He did to the angels. He never offered the angels. I love to say this to people. People don't think about this. People think, well, God should save me. Why should God save you? 
Why? You who have been, and I always include myself, every human being who has been haughty and rebellious and arrogant and self-consumed and self-absorbed and have not honored God as we ought. Yeah. We have not honored God as we ought. God should just judge you and me. But what does the Bible say? (laughs) He's a Savior. This is the good news. You should go to hell with me. But God is a Savior. I love Isaiah 45, 21-22. There is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none except me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no one like me. Do you hear what he says? Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. It's an open call. Come and be saved. Why isn't everybody saved? Because John chapter 5, verse 40, you are unwilling. God's not unwilling. You're unwilling. This is huge. This is huge for you to understand. It's it's huge for you to understand that, you know, at one point, Jesus just wasn't very interesting to you, but now He's very interesting to you. What happened? The wind blew. John chapter 3. A sovereign miracle happened. That's what happened. I know some people hate it when they read that in the Bible or when preachers talk like this, but this is what God says. God says, I save my people. I get the glory. You don't get any. The preacher doesn't get any. The church doesn't get any. My son gets it all. It's a big deal with the Lord. God is a Savior. It's it's really, in one sense, it's not right that Jesus should take the punishment for my sin. It's really, in, in a sense, it's not right, is it? It's not right. God should just judge me. He shouldn't bring Jesus into my sin. He should just send me where I should go. So in one sense, it's not right. God should just render justice. You know, He should just render perfect justice. It's what a, a good king should do. Just render perfect justice. But he saves me. <laughs> you know, what's, what's the technical phrase? Penal substitutionary atonement. Jesus took my penalty. In one sense, it's not right. What is it? It's just love, right? It's not right. It's love. He who is just becomes the justifier. It's just the astonishing thing that God does. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. This is a good faith, open call to God to every moral, intelligent human being. Right? Whoever believes. But what does Jesus say tonight? You are unwilling. 
is he talks to the most religious people who have ever walked the planet, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, and the priests and the scribes. One of those guys would make all of us put together look like reprobates. At least on the outside. Do you understand what I'm saying? These guys were just meticulous and in their practice of religion. So I, I just want to give you this real quick. About five verses that, that reveal the, 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 the saving, loving, gracious, long-suffering disposition of God. Just listen, please. Uh, if you want these, I'll send them to you. Uh, Isaiah 65.1. I've talked about this a whole lot this year. Uh, God says, I've permitted myself to be sought by those who did not ask for me. i permitted myself to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am. I love that verse. Ezekiel 33.11, As I live, declares the Lord God, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his ways and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. Why then will you die? 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. Uh, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Are you hearing the, the disposition of God? The, the disposition of God. He is a Savior. He is willing to save. The problem with mankind is mankind is unwilling to come to Christ. He is unwilling to come to Christ. He knows Christ is God, Romans chapter 1. He knows it. I don't care what he says. He knows it. It's written on his conscience. It's written on his heart. It's written in the created order. He knows it. He knows it. And you guys know the great passage, uh, Matthew 23:37. Jesus weeps over Jerusalem who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to, sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were what? Unwilling. It's not God's fault if anybody lands in hell. Okay? And I listen to these guys on YouTube, these atheists and these agnostics, and they're, you know, talking about how awful hell is. Well, yeah, it, it is awful. It is awful, right? It, it's terrible. It's, it's dreadful. It's a dreadful thought. But nobody goes there unless they are unwilling to come to their Creator and receive His mercy. This is a huge text tonight for us, beloved. I hope that we will think seriously about it. As one theologian said about the Pharisees and about many people in our lives, family, friends, colleagues, neighbors, they were unwilling to be willing. <laughs> they were unwilling to be willing. So our... You know, the guy with the standing ovation, he brought it up Wednesday night, Shubomi, in Young Adult Bible Study. He, he pointed out, and I realized when he pointed it out, that this is a very, it's a passage that in, in, in John 5 that I didn't spend much time on. But remember what Jesus asked the, uh, the, the man who was ill at the pool? Remember what he asked him? Do you want to get well? Do you wish to get well? 
And isn't this the question of the whole Bible? God is, is asking all of mankind, do you wish to get well? Here I am. Why then should you die? Do you wish to get well? No. I want to pursue my career and my family and, and I want to make a lot of money and I want to be famous and I want to be acclaimed and I want security and I want comfort and I want ease and I want pleasure more than I want to get well. It's, it's the insanity of mankind. For indeed, that is insane. So tonight we'll be finishing up John chapter 5. As you know, Jesus healed the guy and He did it on the Sabbath which provoked an encounter with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are saying, how dare you heal somebody on the Sabbath? How dare you break our rules? How dare you do a miracle on our, you know, on our clock? In our space? What's, you know, how dare you, God, do a miracle? This is how stupid religion is. This is how utterly blind and stupid religion is. Because the Pharisees are they're just into the religion. They're into the, you know, they're into the, the tradition of Moses. They're all about Moses. And you're going to hear Jesus say it tonight. I won't accuse you before the Father. Your idol Moses will accuse you because he spoke of me. So these guys, they're all messed up in their religion. The last couple of weeks we've seen this. Jesus, and Jesus just keeps telling them that he's God. Just a couple of quick points. He says that He and the Father work in unison. He and the Father share perfect love. He and, he and the Father are in perfect confidence. Uh, he and the Father have the power to grant life. All honor and worship is due to Jesus Christ. And last week we saw that He has authority to execute final judgment on every human being. He'll call every human being out of the tomb and He will. There'll be a, there'll be a judgment. Uh, some unto the resurrection of life. Some unto a resurrection of 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 judgment. And Jesus has all authority in that regard. Okay, John 5, verse 30. Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. Jesus, again, is simply asserting that He and the Father work in unison. Again, we're talking about the triune God, Father, Son, and spirit, yes, it's a mystery. Let's just worship about the mystery. Let's not get uh, involved in trying to explain it to anyone. It's not meant to be explained. It's meant to provoke worship. And then the next 17 verses, <laughs> Jesus gives some witnesses to those who are unwilling. Okay? Let me just uh, summarize them for you really quickly. Uh, Jesus is going to say that the Father bears witness to Him. He says John the Baptist bore witness to Him. He says my works, my deeds, my miracles, they bear witness of who I am. The Scriptures bear witness of who I am. And Moses bore witness of who I am. Verse 31, If I alone bear witness of myself, my testimony is not true. Jesus is simply taking them back to the Old Testament law. Um, yeah, it took more than one witness in a capital case. It took two to three witnesses to confirm uh, or come to a judgment in, in the court of law. So Jesus is not only going to give them two or three, He gives them five, okay? As I just enumerated for you. Five witnesses that He is God. He is Messiah. 
Okay? And that's what we will see through the balance of the text. Verse 32. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the testimony which he bears of me is true. I think it's the NASB and the New King James Version, I think. They capitalize the, the pronoun here, he. So they believe that, he, that Jesus is talking about the Father here. Many conservative theologians believe he's talking about John. It doesn't really matter because, God is, because Jesus is going to talk about both the Father giving witness to to him and also John the Baptist. So that is not a major point. Verses 33 to 35. Jesus says, You have sent to John, John the Baptist, and he has borne witness to the truth. But the witness which I receive is not from man, but I say these things that you might be saved. He's a Savior, he's come to save. Remember what he said? Was it in John 3? I have not come to judge. I have come to save. There will be no excuse on the last day. You know, back to Bertrand Russell. You think this little bitty spindly man is going to stand before I am and debate him? Do you know what Bertrand Russell will be doing when he sees I am? Do you know what Bertrand Russell will be doing? He'll be doing the same thing the prophet Isaiah did. The same thing uh, John did. The same thing Daniel did. They'll be on their fa- he'll be on his face as fast as he can be on his face. There'll be no debates in the courtroom of God. There'll be no arguments. There'll be no objections. Every creature will be prostrate before this awesome God. I'm just always astonished at the arrogance of, of man. So, Jesus says, verse 35, let me finish. John was the lamp that was burning and was shining and you were willing to rejoice for a while in His Light, John the Baptist gave testimony that Jesus was the Christ. Okay? Jesus says, you guys know about John the Baptist? You went out and listened to him. You, and you rejoiced in his, his persona and his preaching. John, John 1, 7, John bore witness of Jesus Christ that all might believe. And did you notice, Jesus says he was what? Anybody? What did he say? John was what? He was a, he was a light. And as I read that, I thought, oh, that's what you are too. It's what I am too. You know what uh, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. Let me read this to you from the Message Bible. You're here to be light. You know this, right? This is your job. You you have a very simple job description as a Christian. Be light. Basta. Okay? Bringing out God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with Him. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine! Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. 
this generous Father who is in heaven. So I'll just ask you, are you doing that? Are you shining in the world? You're supposed to be shining. You know, you know the reason most professed Christians don't shine is because they're, they're, we're just too busy looking in the mirror. We're too busy. We're too self-absorbed. And we're, so, we're in such turmoil about the three things in our life that is not perfect. And so we, 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 we waste days and weeks and months and years and decades looking, you know, navel-gazing instead of rejoicing at all that God has done and promised. We can't shine because we're feeling sorry for ourselves or we're consumed with anxiety and worry. God says, your job, God says, I've done all the heavy lifting. I've saved your sorry self. You go shine. Right? You go do it. In your orbit. We all have a different orbit. Your orbit, you shine in your orbit. I shine in my orbit. I can't shine in your orbit. You can't shine in my orbit. But are you shining in yours? Verses 36 to 39. But the witness which I have is greater than that of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me, he has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor have you seen his form. And you have not. You do not have His Word abiding in you, for you do not believe Him who He sent. You get that? Jesus, Jesus is saying, there's no way you can have His Word abiding in you because you don't know Me. Verse 39, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is these that bear witness of Me. Okay, Jesus is really clear here. My works bear witness... My Father bear witness. My Word bears witness. Okay? <laughs> There's three witnesses right there that carries the case in the court of law for any Old Testament Jew. First, His works. Now, in the Gospel of John, He's only done three miracles that, that, that John has reported on. Obviously, the others have probably been done in the background. But John has only reported on three. The water to wine the healing of the royal official's son, and the healing of the man at Bethesda, which prompted this discourse. And let me just remind you again what John says at the end of his Gospel. John 21, 30, 25. Listen to what he says. He says that if all the things Jesus did were written in detail, what? I know some of you know. What? The world could not contain the books that would be written. Okay? This is how many miracles he did. He's like a supernova in Judea. Everybody knows about Him. He has healed or will heal thousands of people. He will feed thousands of people. Okay? Jesus says, My works proclaim who I am. Alright? This is what He's saying. My works are from the Father. Remember when Nicodemus came to him? What was the first thing Nicodemus said? He said, nobody can do what you do lest he be from God. These guys knew. Everybody knew about his extraordinary power and his works. 
Jesus says, My Father bears witness to who I am. Anybody have an idea what that might be a reference to? There's a particular instance where where the Father speaks from heaven. Anybody remember where that was? When Jesus was baptized and the Father speaks, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Okay? The Pharisees weren't there. They didn't hear it. But they've heard about it. Okay? They heard about the voice from heaven proclaiming the Sonship of God or of Jesus Christ. They've heard about it. The Father has given witness to the Son. This is no secret. It wasn't done under a bushel. They know it. They know it. And there was a buzz about it. A voice came from heaven. Do you remember what Jesus says? Yeah, you don't have... He says, you neither heard this voice at any time nor have you seen Him. He said, you, you, you haven't seen the form of God. I, it just made me think of John 8. You guys will remember these words. This is what Jesus will say later to the Pharisees. In fact, you tell me. Who did He say the Pharisees belonged to? Anybody remember? You belong to the devil. Your father is the devil. You do what he does. John 8, You are of your father the devil. You want to do the desires of your father. He who is of God hears me. For this reason you do not hear me. You're not of God. You are of your father the devil. Thirdly, the Scriptures give witness They bear witness to Jesus Christ. These guys knew the Scripture. They had memorized much of them. They could probably, if you stopped them on the street and says, hey, you know, recite Isaiah, they could probably go. As long as you're willing to stand there. These guys knew the Old Testament Scriptures. And Jesus says, they speak of Me. So Jesus has said, John bore witness of Me. My Father has borne witness of Me. My works have borne witness of Me. The Old Testament Scriptures bear witness of Me. Over in verse 46, we'll get to in a few moments, He says, Moses wrote of Me. So I've got to ask you the question, how could these guys not believe? How can they not believe? They've got all of these witnesses. Not to, not to even talk about creation and conscience. This is what you're always dealing with in the world. You don't have to be clever. You don't have to have 15 apologetic arguments. You don't have to memorize, you know, a gospel presentation. It's not wrong to do that. It's not bad to do that. You're dealing with people who are unwilling. So what do we do, Jim? We share the truth and we let God do what God does, right? This is what I'm trying to... I'm I'm going to take the pressure off you. You don't have to convert anybody. You just sow the good seed. You know, this is, this is all you, this is your job. You sow good seed. And then you pray for the people that you share the truth with. Verse 40, and you are unwilling to come to me that you might 
have life. It's what I said to you earlier. It's why people play games with religion, religions and cults. It's why people play games in pseudo-Christianity. It's why hell exists. People are, are, are unwilling to come to Jesus Christ that they might have life. John Piper says this verse. He says he's made this recommendation to the translators of the ESV. He says this is how you should translate this verse. They don't want to come to me. You know, I think the translation that Andrea read, it says, they, you refuse to come to me. Again, God is willing to save. Men are unwilling to come and be saved. I'm just going to read from Romans 1, 18-20. I'm just going to condense it. You guys know what it says. I'm just going to reiterate this. Men suppress the truth. That which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. In creation, God is clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that man is without excuse. There'll be no excuses on the final day. None. Every human being will be prostrate before this awesome, fearsome, consuming fire God. I am Jesus Christ. It's not that men don't know and understand. It's that they do know and they do understand. Yes, this is insane. But this is who mankind is. The Bible reveals God. It exposes man. You, you have to get both of these truths to really be able to understand the, all the depths and nuances of your very own salvation. Verse 41-44, I do not receive glory from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. Why does He know it? Because they don't love Him. Okay, there's a one-to-one -one correlation here. Okay? <laughs> will, you, will you say this out in the world? Will you say this to your Muslim friend? Will you say it to him? If you do not love God, if you do not love Jesus Christ, if you do not honor Jesus Christ, if you do not know Jesus Christ, you do not know God. Allah is not Jehovah. Allah is not Jesus Christ. Will you say that to your Muslim friend? It's why you're here. <laughs> to be the light. That God would save many through your light, through your testimony, through the good seed that you sow. Okay, so where did I stop? You do not have the love of God in you. Verse 43. I have come in My Father's name and you do not receive Me. If another shall come in His own name, you will receive Him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Jesus says, I don't receive glory from man. Inference, you do. You love, glory, you love the glory of man more than you love the glory of God. Jesus says you do not have the love of God in you. Inference is you love your religion and your status and your prestige more than you think you love God. Jesus says, I am from the Father, yet you do not receive Me, but you receive another. They love the approval of men more than they love God. In fact, they do not love God at all. Jesus says you seek glory from one another and not the glory of God. As Jesus is saying, I know that you do not know, love, and honor God because you are not loving and honoring Me. 
Jesus Christ is God. He's not some subordinate of God. He's God. He's God. This is what the world doesn't want to hear. <laughs> okay? There's a lot of things in the Bible they don't want to hear, but they don't want to hear this. Jesus, yeah, good man, prophet, blah, blah, blah. We've heard it all. No, He's God. This is your testimony in the world. Why are they unwilling to come to Jesus Christ? They love their culture, their religion, their, poli their, 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 their political position, power, and prestige and status more. They want something more than they want God. So here, here's a good application for you and me. I want you to just examine your heart. Is there anything in your heart that is higher than God? If there's anything in your heart higher than God, you do not have the love of God in you. These are the words of Jesus. Beloved, don't let anything get above Jesus. I know how we can become distracted and don't become distracted. You have to work to not be distracted. We need to be looking at God because what, what we want tends to control what we believe. You know, I had a seminary professor and he used to say, and I love that I've used it many times, he would say, that guy smells like God. And what he's saying is, you can tell that God is his highest pursuit. Jesus Christ is his highest and first and preeminent and primary pursuit. Everything else is, comes underneath, right? This is what Jesus is saying. It's what he's saying. So, if you want something more than you want Jesus, you have an idol, beloved. Let's finish. Verse 45 to 47. Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. He's talking to the Pharisees again. The one who accuses you is Moses in whom you set your hope. They, they're hoping in their religion. Do you see it? It's like many so-called Christians. They really just hope in church attendance and giving an offering and, you know, memorizing the Ten Commandments and, you know, trying to, you know, say nice things about Jesus sometimes. You know, I, I'm, I belong to the Baptist church down the street. I must be a Christian. Wrong! You probably aren't! If that's how you think. Jesus is clearly saying, I am first. They love Moses. They love the tradition of Moses. They love being seen as the, the disciples of Moses. They loved all the prestige and the, you know, yeah, the acclaim that came with that. Moses was their idol. Jesus says, Verse 46, for, you, you for if you believed Moses, you would believe Me, for He wrote of Me. But if you do not believe His writings, how will you believe My 
words. Okay, I think you all understand this. If you've been in this church very long, you know that Jesus Christ is the God of the Old Testament. There's no dichotomy here. Okay? Uh, uh, if you go to John chapter 12, uh, John is writing about the, what Isaiah sees in, John ch in Isaiah chapter 6. You know the great text. He sees the thrice holy God high and lifted up. And the angels are saying, holy, holy, holy. The earth is full of His glory. This is Jesus. I, I, in fact, John says in verse 41, John chapter 12, that is Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 6, it's Jesus Christ. And you guys know, you guys know what? John writes in that John 12 passage, though Jesus performed so many signs before the Jews, yet they were not believing in Him. And some would not confess Him because they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. I'm going to close with this. That verse 46 and 47. Um, do you remember the guy? I think it's in Luke. Let me see. Luke 16. You remember when Jesus tells the, the account of the poor man and the rich man? And uh, they both died. The rich man went to Hades or hell. And the poor man was in paradise with Abraham, leaning against Abraham's bosom. You remember this account? You remember this story? And the, the rich man in hell, he, he cried out to Abraham and he said, he said, send Lazarus, the poor man, uh, and and Give me a, let him dip his finger in some water and, and put it on my tongue because I am in agony here, right? And Abraham said, there's a, there's a chasm fixed and no one can go back and forth. And the rich man said, well, you know, you guys remember, go warn my brothers about this place. Anybody remember what, uh, what Abraham said? He said, he said, let them hear the let them hear Moses and the prophets, right? Effectively saying, let them hear the word of God. And the, the rich man in hell, he said, Well, he said, but if a dead man came back, they would believe. And Jesus ends that story by saying, if they will not believe the if they will not believe the Word of God, they will not believe, even if a dead man raises. Beloved, this is how unwilling mankind is. This is how unwilling mankind is to believe and be saved. John 5.40 is why hell exists. It's not that God is unwilling to save I'm pretty sure, you tell me if you think I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure the incarnation and the cross adequately reveal that God is willing to save. It's never been that God is unwilling to save. It's that men are unwilling to come to Jesus. Beloved, if you're going to be an effective... Well, let me say it this way. If you're going to learn just how big your salvation is, and if you're going to learn to worship in the way that you should worship, you need to understand that your salvation is a miracle. You need to understand that there was a time when you were unwilling, but now you are willing, and you have to worship God for that because the wind blew through your life, John chapter 3. You didn't deserve it. So it, 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 
if you're really going to worship, if you're really going to learn how to worship and be thankful and be in awe of what God has done in your life, you have to understand that you were unwilling to. But by His kindness and mercy and grace and love, He has made you willing. He has opened your eyes. You know, remember the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus and, and the scales fell off. And he saw. And he believed. It's the miraculous work of God. Listen. If you're not in awe of your salvation, you have not understood the first thing about it. If it does not motivate you to go out into the world and proclaim who Jesus Christ is, you have not yet understood the first thing about it. Your salvation is huge and it's for the glory of Christ. It needs to change the way you live, beloved. Okay? It needs to change the way that you live. So you need to know this for your own worship and devotion. And you need to know this so you can share effectively in the world. Don't be intimidated in the world. I know it's hard to witness in the world. I get that. I know that. I've known it for a long time. It's hard to witness in the world. But your job is real simple. You just say what the truth is. God does the rest. You say the truth, you, you pray. That's it. If some of you... Yeah. I want you to go home. And tonight, tomorrow, whenever, I want you to get alone with God. And I want you to praise Him that you are willing. Because if you're willing, He has already done a miracle. Don't let it be small. Don't let it be peripheral. Let it be central to who you are and how you live. You were unwilling but now you're His. <laughs> it's awesome. Let's pray. Lord, I, I can't even pray about this. It's too big. I know who I was. I know what I deserve. I know I was unwilling. But the wind blew. The Spirit came. It removed my heart of stone and gave me a heart of flesh. And I will praise You forever and ever and ever and ever about that. And it's not right that Jesus died for me. But it's what He did 
And I will praise You forever and ever and ever about that. Oh Lord God, let us not think small about these things. Let these things not simply be doctrine and dogma. Oh God, let them provoke us to great worship and great deeds. For the glory of Your Son, we ask it. Amen. Can we uh, close with a... The I am thing would be good.